Welcome to the Constitutional Futures podcast series from Queen's University, Belfast. I'm Professor Colin Harvey from the School of Law at Queen's, and in this series I discuss the constitutional present and future with people who are making a leading contribution to the ongoing conversations. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Collins, whose new book, Irish Unity, Time to Prepare, was published in October 2022. And I've actually very fond memories of a launch event at the Linen Hall Library, I think discussing with, with Ben. Ben has worked in communications and public affairs across the UK and Ireland for more than 20 years. He comes from a unionist background in Belfast and has previously been involved in the past with both conservative and liberal political parties, is not now a member of any political party. His book sets out his thinking on why we should prepare now in advance of a border poll on United Ireland. It examines what he considers to be the many benefits of Irish unity uh, and the benefits that that will create for everyone across the island of Ireland. I could say a lot more, uh, but we'll get into our conversation and dialogue now. Ben, you're very, very welcome to the podcast series. Uh, thanks very much, Colin. Really appreciate it. Um, we, we, I was thinking back there the other day, we started our own da- personal dialogue a number of years ago, actually some time ago. Yeah. But for the purpose of our, our audience, could you t- say something about your own personal journey and, you know, the background, what, what led you really to write this book? Okay, yeah. Thanks very much, Colin. Yes, I'll... Um as you said in the in the intro, I grew up very much in a with a unionist uh, and Brit- a pro-British background, and um, went to uh, went to school in Belfast, and then went off to university in Dundee uh, just before the first uh, series of ceasefires. Uh, and until that point, I was absolutely adamant that I wasn't going to be forced into a United Ireland by violence or threats of violence. I had always felt Irish, and initially that was in addition to feeling British. But over the course of time, I felt ever more Irish, and uh, my, my sense of Britishness sort of dissipated. Um, ironically, you could say it was actually living and working across the UK, because um, I've, I've lived and worked in uh, Edinburgh, Cardiff and London. Uh, that that really increased my sense of Irishness and my my sense of Britishness just... just uh, I, I, I didn't feel British um, anymore, and I don't mean that in any negative way. I have family members and friends who are British, and those who are those who are English, and I I, I feel uh, a sense of closeness to them. But I just I I, I just over time, I started developing my thinking and thinking how how would the future be better for for people across the island of Ireland, and indeed how could we have better relations between Britain and and Ireland, and um, uh, I had favoured once we had the Good Friday Agreement. Then I knew that there was definitely a peaceful, democratic way to achieve United Ireland, which had the agreement of both the UK and Irish governments and the EU and the US and so on. And that was great. And that allowed me to look at things in a new way. And, um, you know, coming back to uh, Belfast after the first ceasefire in um, December 94, I noticed a real change in atmosphere from having left in, in August 94 and it opened up new possibilities. So I had a long-term aspiration, uh, really, from 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 around the time of the Good Friday Agreement for Irish unity. Um, but what was a long-term aspiration became an urgent necessity for me in the context of Brexit. Just the fact that um, the beauty of the Good Friday Agreement was you could be British, Irish, European, or a combination of all three, and borders didn't matter. You know, you could wake up in the morning in Belfast, you could look south to Dublin, you could look east to London, you could look to Brussels, you could look to the... Washington DC, whatever you wanted, and it didn't matter. Unfortunately, Brexit is something that 
uh, in a way I feel forces us to choose or, you know, drives us in that direction. And Brexit is, you know, the mantra of taking back control. We're seeing what that means in, in Dover at the minute with, um, you know, days long uh, delays for people trying to get into continental Europe. And, um, Brexit means that there has to be, particularly the hard form of Brexit that the UK government, with the, the support of the DUP championed, means there has to be a border somewhere. And that border either has to be on the island of Ireland, between Britain and Ireland, or um, there has to be an agreement that there wouldn't be a border because there would be continue to be more or less full alignment between the UK uh, market and, and the EU. And that is that is the version that um, the UK government and the DUP were, were adamantly opposed. So for me, just to finish, I think it was very much, it's, I want to be part of a, of a, of a peaceful, prosperous, liberal, outward-looking, internationalist um, society, and I think that's best achieved through, through Irish unity and being part of the EU. We mentioned, Ben, that the book was launched last year, and I suppose a bit of time now to, to get a sense of you know, what's been the feedback What's been the reaction? Uh, well, I've had I've had mixed feedback, I guess. Uh, I mean, overall, I've I've had a lot of really good feedback. I wanted to talk particularly to people who come from a similar unionist background as myself, and uh, to say to them that there's nothing wrong with you know um, considering your options and thinking thinking anew about what you actually believe to be the best for your future, for you, your family, and your friends. And I know that um, in Northern Ireland there is this culture of. Um, you know, trying to root out the Lundies, the traders, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's been treasonous to say that I've, I've thought long and hard about the best way to create a, a prosperous uh, and peaceful future for everyone across this island. And, and, and I mean that. I don't take any pleasure in seeing how Brexit has been an absolute disaster. It's something I was, uh, I urged all my family and friends to vote against. And unfortunately, um, you know, I have very close family and friends who, who voted for it. And I don't think any of them are happy with how it's gone. Um, and I think for me, it was almost a form of therapy. I wanted to put down in writing uh, uh, the objective reasons for why I think Irish unity is the best future, but also importantly, why we need to prepare and plan now in advance of a border pull uh, to avoid the chaos of Brexit. And I mean that both in the sense of the campaign itself, where people were thought they were voting for 50 different things, and also the the the, the, the eruptions and the repercussions that we're still living with now because there was no clear um, meaning of, of what it meant. I mean, I've been at conferences just um, earlier this year where uh, people, uh, two people who were ardent Brexiters in the same room were absolutely certain that Brexit meant completely different things while they were sitting in the same conversation with me. And it's just, I find it extraordinary. And, you know, it's sad. And I think this is about saying to people, and also importantly for me, I wanted to make it clear that I would never favour violence or threats of violence. And that I think importantly, while people could say that the, the DUP have fast-tracked the uh, momentum towards unity, I've said in the past that um, those parts of the Republican movement that favoured uh, the, the activities of the provisional IRA and so on during the Troubles, not in many ways copper fast and partitioned during the Troubles. And it made it much easier uh understandably and quite correctly for unionism to say or for, for for peaceful unionism to say well we don't want any part of that um and i think 
Um, I think the key thing for me is we need to, I believe in democracy and let's take an evidence-based discussion. Nobody should fear uh, a peaceful discussion about what's best for our future. Let's have an evidence-based discussion and then have a put a plan, put it in place, and then let's vote on it. And then we can go forward together as a, as an island of, for, for a better future. Thanks, Ben. In terms of the book, you use the language of preparation again in the book and almost now it's sort of become the, the the phraseology of the process, planning and preparing for the future. But is enough being done and what needs to be done to, to, to actually do that preparatory work? Yeah, it's definitely not being done. I mean, there, there, there are civic groups like Ireland's Future who have had the pleasure of speaking at a couple of their events. And I know, I know you're a board member. I'm not just saying this, but um, they, 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 they conflict of interest <laughs> declared. <laughs> but um, they, uh, I think, groups like Ireland's Future play an important role about bringing together civic society to talk about these issues. And we're already seeing that moving from just a a broad brush, broad brush approach to one where there are detailed discussions starting to take place on particular issues around health, around education and so on. And that's great. Um, I've also been uh, in discussions um, about uh, uh, where I've talked about the importance about how housing could be delivered on an all-Ireland basis. And I think, you know, you don't need to be a top mathematician, which I certainly am not, to know that uh, duplication of services is more expensive and less efficient than having one set of services. And the island of Ireland is only a small place of 7 million people. And absolutely, we should be working together to, to deliver uh, these services for for ourselves. So in terms of preparation, I would absolutely like, uh, I, I, would, I think it would be great if the Irish government, especially now that the Windsor framework has been agreed, um, and has been signed off by both the UK government through um, its endorsement by approval in both houses of uh, the UK Parliament. It has been found to be uh, completely um, legal by the UK Supreme Court. The uh, King Charles III took his time to meet uh, the President of the European Commission, which I think is a clear indication as well uh, that he's in favour of it. The EU uh, European Commission has already favoured it. So I think those those issues have been addressed. We now need to look at the long-term relationship between Britain and Ireland, the island of Ireland. And we are 25 years on, just about, from the Good Friday Agreement. And it makes absolute sense that we should plan and prepare for what the next 25 years are going to hold. And it was stipulated in the Good Friday Agreement there was the option of, um, of a border poll. I know that Peter Kyle, the Shadow Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, the uh, Labour Shadow Secretary of State, has said that a Labour government would set out the terms and criteria for uh, for calling a border poll, and that's to be welcomed on the basis that those are fair and equitable. But right now, I would like the, the Irish government to set up a citizens' assembly uh, to sort of give some focus, because all kinds of civic groups uh, and, and across society can be having these discussions as they are behind the scenes, but I think we need to have that structure and that framework put in place by the Irish government to really bring it out in the open and to have greater transparency and to be led by those who are elected. You mentioned there the the Good Friday Agreement and, and, and obviously at the moment now uh, there's, there's so many things happening around GFA 25 and, and everybody's thinking about that and what it means about the past, the present and the future. And it's very noticeable you focused on the future you know, the, the next 25 years. And I wonder, you know, what does a Good Friday Agreement mean to you? You know, what does it mean to say that the agreement frames these discussions? Well, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's key. It sets the framework. It, it brought us out of a terrible 
a, a terrible past and created a context where we could move beyond that and um, to, to start to have uh, discussions about bread and butter issues. And that's absolutely key. And to try and focus discussion away. I mean, while I'm advocating and passionately want to see constitutional change, the reason why I want to see constitutional change is because I want people's day-to-day lives to get better. And I think Irish unity will, will deliver that within the EU. So for me, I think the Good Friday Agreement sets that framework. And I think it provides safeguards, uh, both the Good Friday Agreement itself and the European uh, Convention on Human Rights. And the irony is that I think coming from unionist background that there are elements within unionism and loyalism that are that were opposed to the Good Friday Agreement at the start and those that are opposed to it now and they're also opposed to the European Convention on Human Rights. Those create a framework and create safeguards for for all sections of society within Northern Ireland and across the island of Ireland. Uh, I worked in the Northern Ireland office, the UK government department, as a press officer in 2006-07 and one of the areas I worked on was the Bill of Rights Forum and here we are in 2023 and we still don't have a Bill of Rights. And I think we need to move beyond this sense that uh, equality is a bad thing. You know, equality is 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 a, it means having equal treatment and equal respect for all parts of society. Nobody should be threatened by that. And I think that's, so that sets the context of going forward. Now, there are discussions about if there is a vote for a reunification, to what extent will the existing structures and institutions um form part of that. Well, I think that's all what needs to be, um, that's all needs to be discussed as part of a citizens' assembly. I th- but I think absolutely the the spirit and the, the true meaning and the ethos of the Good Friday Agreement in terms of respect for the diversity and for all should absolutely be hardwired into any, um, any New Ireland that we have. Ben, we need to do a separate podcast on the Bill of Rights, I think, at this point, the, the never-ending <laughs> Bill of Rights process here. I think yes. the, you know, one of the really striking things about the discussion is how quickly people are using the language of new. And people talk not only about a united Ireland, but they talk about a new Ireland. So it's frequently used, but what, what sorts of challenges does that language present for those who are advocating constitutional change, what what does the new and new Ireland mean? Well, for me, it means it means a, a new beginning. That doesn't mean um, dismantling everything that's gone before, but I think it's about framing things in a different way. I mean, I do, as somebody who believes in um, a united Ireland and Irish unity, what I want to see is the island of Ireland existing as one political and economic unit with respect for all, firmly anchored within the EU. Um, and I know that in New Ireland, people just think, well, that's just that's just marketing. That doesn't actually mean anything. And they also, there are, and I've, 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 I've come across, um, you know, one of the things I say in the book, I have a section on winning the South, and I don't take for granted that uh, those the people that are in what is now the, the Irish Republic will automatically vote for Irish unity, which is why we need to have a plan in place. You know, I gave the example in the book about um, in Cyprus in the early 2000s, there was a UN-backed uh, referendum to reunite uh, the island of Cyprus. Northern Cyprus, which had been occupied by Turkey and was more impoverished, voted in favour of uni- reunification. Southern Cyprus, which is more prosperous and independent, voted against. And I think there's a lesson there for us on the island of Ireland. So I think a new Ireland, I want that to be seen as something. It's about a new opportunity. It's about bringing the best bits of both parts, both existing states together into a new 
uh, into new area. It can't just be a case of bolting Northern Ireland on the Republic, but that does not mean just dismantling everything for the sake of it. And I know um, there are those who are, you know, whether they're from the Republic of Ireland or from a nationalist Republican background who are adamantly opposed to changing the flag, for example, you know, away from the trickler. One of the things that I found, and I didn't realise this until I, I was at university, that the trickler for so often it was referred to as a green, white and gold. And actually it's a green, white and orange and the green and orange representing the two major traditions on the island with peace between them and that is a really idealistic thing now unfortunately because of the activities of the provisional IRA and others that flag has a different meaning for large parts of society particularly in Northern Ireland but I think for me uh, symbolism should come towards the end of the process what we need to do is to start off and think how can we create the best housing the best healthcare, the best education how can we make sure that there's prosperity how do we go about making sure that people have the choice or feel that they have a choice to stay here. I'm one of three brothers. Uh, my two older brothers have left Northern Ireland, uh, like thousands of people do every year, like thousands of people do across the island of Ireland. And of course, people should be able to go out and explore the world. But what I think is very sad that people feel they have no choice and they have to leave, whether it's because of a lack of housing, a lack of jobs, or because they find the atmosphere uh, oppressive because of the political environment they live within. And I think a new Ireland has to be about creating something better. It is, it's about nation building, but in a really positive way and absolutely not in the way that Brexit has been the, do the dog that's caught the car and doesn't know what it wants to do with it. Ben, you, we're not going to give away our ages here, right? And But there's a lot of, there's <laughs> a lot of discussion about timeframes, uh, even reference to this decade. Uh, I suppose just to draw our podcast to an end, uh, do you think we'll see a new and united Ireland, let's say, in your lifetime? Yes, I think there'll be a border poll within the next decade. I can't specify exactly when, but I think it is it is, uh, it is, it is, changing. Um, and I think, you know, if we look at... Um, we look at the the, the voters uh, and how people have voted in the most recent Northern Ireland Assembly election. We look at the the, the previous um, local government election results and we look forward to the next local government election results. Whatever people say about opinion polls, whenever it comes down to people making their mark in the ballot box, decreasing numbers of people are voting for unionist parties. And that, that I think, tells its tale. And you, if you look at Lucid Talk, which I think is a very reputable opinion poll uh, company that has been able to call and predict the um, election results in successive uh, elections and the EU referendum itself within one or two percentage points, there's clearly a demo there there's clearly demographics that uh, under the age of 45 people are majority in favor of of Irish unity and i think uh my 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 uh, demographic age group which is somewhere between 45 and 60 i won't, won't be more specific than that but they um they they also increasingly are in favor of this and i think um i, I think we will see a border poll i think i think the uk government would 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 love uh, to be able to um um give Northern Ireland back to the island of Ireland. Um, and I think one of the things that's stopping that at the minute is, of course, they need to sort out Brexit, but it's also about doing so in a way that doesn't unravel relations with Scotland. 
but the fact that Labour seems to be getting, um, you know, the next government is likely to be a Labour-led government in the UK and they seem to be making a bit of a comeback in Scotland. So that might lessen those problems. But the fact that there is those criteria going to be set out by an incoming Labour government, I think, uh, will make it easier. But I think what is absolutely clear for all of us is that you cannot have a clean Brexit with Northern Ireland as part of the UK. And having lived and worked in Britain, um, Northern Ireland is seen as a place apart if it's seen as anything at all. And I think, and again, I don't say this with any kind of um, excitement or, 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 or pleasure. It's just a fact that Northern Ireland is not at the centre of the UK body politic. It's not key to, the, to it economically. It has been a thorn in the side of the Brexit process. And um, I think that isn't, that isn't going to change. And, you know, if you go back to the last time that a pol an elected politician for Northern Ireland constituency served in the UK cabinet was, I believe, in the Second World War, you know, that just shows that there is this divergence. Even whenever the DUP were in a confidence and supply agreement with the UK government, the UK government still went over their heads and did a deal with the EU that they were that they were opposed to. So I think um, the, the I think the, the momentum is moving towards one way, which is why we need to plan. And I think what we want need to do is plan and prepare now to identify the best way forward for all these things. And that can help to address people's concerns. We need to set out a package of proposals to show that those from a Protestant Unionist loyalist background will be protected, will be cherished within this new Ireland, and that there'll be more opportunities for them. And what I want to be a, a scenario is that that the referendum itself is just confirming what all the metrics have already shown to be the case. I want us to have agreement as a society in advance of that border poll, and really that will be a confirmatory vote for, for Irish unity. Well, Ben, thank you so much for so clearly setting out your thoughts and reflections. I also want to take the opportunity to acknowledge your courage in, in entering this space and this conversation that I know can at times be challenging and difficult, and also for taking the time to discuss these questions and answer them so clearly again in this podcast. So wish you all the very best in your ongoing work and thank you again. Thanks a lot, Colin. I'm really pleased and thank you for everything you're doing on this really crucial issue as well. Mm -hmm.